This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. Check one, two, check one, two. Hey everybody, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I am your host, John Hutsmith, and I'm so glad you guys are with me today. Today, I am finally telling the story of my 2021 Texas rifle buck, as well as the story of my almost Oklahoma archery buck, as well as the story of my almost Oklahoma rifle buck. So, got an action-packed show today. Um, For all that I did not get to hunt in October, I have very much made up for this November. I have got to hunt a ton. It's been awesome. I've been out there, been having tons of encounters. Um, Probably the craziest, uh, I don't know how to put it, it's been like, one of the lowest action uh, Novembers ever, but somehow also one of the most action-packed. It's been like, it's either been very hot or very cold, and so I'm going to get into all that here in the show today, so I hope you guys are ready. Um, Not much of an intro today since it's just me, so I'm just going to basically jump off into it, and so I hope you guys are ready. Here is my story of my, so far, 2021 deer season. Alright, so the last story I told you guys would have been Halloween weekend. My buddy Randy came up to our place in Oklahoma to do some muzzleloader hunting and took a really nice mature 8-point buck off of our place. So that was an awesome hunt. The next week was the Texas opener for rifle season. And Randy has a lease out in West Texas. And like I said before, he and I kind of you know swap hunts. I let him come to our place. He lets me go to his place. So it works out really well. Well, Randy was actually going down to Mexico to hunt deer down there, and so we were talking about, you know, the upcoming weekend, and uh, I was like, hey man, like, you know, if you want, like, I'll wait a week and go hunting when you can go hunting, and he thought about it, and he said that he actually would prefer if I go on out to his place to hunt opening weekend, uh, because, you know, he wasn't going to be there, and he kind of liked the idea of having somebody out there just kind of keep an eye on things while he was gone. And so I was going to go, our mutual friend Kelly was going to go. He's not a deer hunter so much. Uh, He's killed, I think, one deer. Uh, But he loves going out there and, you know, shooting hogs and hanging out. So he was going to come with me. And then one of Randy's other buddies, uh, who I'd met the year before uh, from East Texas, he was going to come up and hunt also. So there was three of us headed out there. On my way out there, I stopped by one of his other buddies' house who had been borrowing his Ranger and picked that up. So we had that out there. Uh, He also has an old forerunner out there that's very beat up. I mean, it's your like typical ranch rig, uh, covered in mud and blood and everything else. Um, so we had that and then we had the Ranger and, uh, the, the, uh, forerunner will come into the store later on. But anyway, so 
Uh, me and Kelly get out there about 10 o'clock. Uh, Casey had already gotten there. That was the other guy. And uh, he actually had gotten there in time to hunt uh, Friday evening. And he had also kind of driven around and checked some of the feeders and the cameras and stuff. Just kind of, you know, he basically made a list of what was wrong so that we'd go by and fix it the next day. Uh, But kind of, you know, he made sure all the feeders were firing. He knew which ones weren't uh, so that we could avoid those. So going into Saturday morning, we, you know, kind of had a game plan. Um, Basically, the way it works, if if y'all have never hunted, you know, West Texas or South Texas or anything like that, most places are set up this way. You basically have a long road that runs, you know, from one end to the other. And then along that road, you have all of your blinds and your feeders. Uh, because, you know, this is brush country, super thick. Um, it's rocky. There's cactus. Like, you can't just drive anywhere you want to. It's not like taking off across the pasture. You have to basically stay on the road. And so, basically, you drive along the road. Ever so often, there's a blind. Uh, and then usually, you know, down the road or across the road, there's usually some kind of little path cut that leads to a feeder and then maybe another like Sendero or something shooting off the other way. So that's how this place is set up. And so basically we all jump in the, in the forerunner that morning, take off. Uh, Casey was going to go the farthest. So he was driving. Uh, we get to the first spot. Kelly jumps out, keep going. We get to my spot. Uh, I jump out and then Casey keeps going on to the last spot in the very back. And so, sun comes up, hunting by myself. The first morning was pretty fun. Um, it started off a little slow, um, but uh, uh, I saw, I think, uh, six deer that morning. Um, saw two potential shooters, but uh, like I was saying, like, if, if when you're hunting out there in this brush country, unless that deer is, like, at the feeder, it's really hard to see. Now, this particular spot... The, the road actually kind of makes a 90, and the blind's up on a hill, so I'm looking down a road. So I'm up on a hill, the feeder's about 80 yards in front of me, and then basically on the other side of the feeder, I can see about 800 yards down this straight uh, straight road. And so, uh, you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm, you know, kind of half paying attention, half playing on my phone and stuff, and I look up, and I see a buck. He's about halfway across the road by the time I see him. And uh, by the time I grab my binoculars and put them up, he's basically already across the road. And so I kind of learned my lesson, and uh, I realized, like, you can't be playing around. Like, if you're going to get a shot at one of these deer, you have to be ready. And so uh, basically as soon as he crossed the road, uh, he disappeared. I got a quick glance at him. I could see a really tall G2 and then a main beam, and that was about it. And so I, I was like, man, this deer has to be at least an eight. Um, there's a lot of, like, just the genetics around here, there's a lot of 10 points, um, but I really only saw the one G2, and so, so now I got the phone away, I'm paying attention, and, uh, a few minutes go by, and I look up, and I see a really big-bodied deer down the road walking straight away from me, pull up the binoculars, and I can just see framey, tall tines, um, so he's walking, I throw a grunt out, he doesn't hear it grab a rattle bag that I picked up on the way. I'd forgot my rattling antlers in Oklahoma. And so I picked up a rattle bag at Academy on my way out there, hit the bag and he stopped and turned broadside, got a good look at him. Really nice looking 10 point. Uh, again, he was probably like 450 yards at this point. Uh, so I hit the rattle bag and he stands there and looks at it for a little while. He kind of walks over to the side of the road. Um, he, he looked like he was going to make a scrape, but there was basically no tree to make a scrape on. Uh, and so I'm sitting there, you know, being patient and, uh, eventually he jumps the fence, kind of quartering to me. Like I said, when I first saw him, he was walking away, but he was kind of quartering to me. And so I'm, I'm thinking maybe he's going to come back my way and come back out around the feeder or something. 
never saw him again. Basically, um, I didn't see any other uh, you know mature bucks that sit. We sat till about I don't know ten o'clock. Um, in the meantime, I hear a shot. Uh, text Casey who was hunting further down, and he had shot a really nice eight point, or actually nine point. Had a little bitty like one inch uh, point to make it a nine point. Um, so he was pumped, and so he was basically he had already had the deer, you know, found the deer. He was basically just kind of waiting on me to get done. So. I texted him about 9.30, he was like, hey, if you want to head this way, um, you know, come on. And so I was I was anxious to see his deer and help him, and, uh, and you know, like I said, we had some things to take care of that day. And so uh, sitting there, like I said, I'd seen like six does and those two bucks, a couple other small bucks, and then uh, right, right before he turns the corner, another uh, pretty decent looking buck comes out on the road about, man, 600 yards down, way down there. And uh, it jumped over the fence, and he came around the corner a few seconds later. So I'm sure I'm sure he kind of scared it off, but that's okay. It didn't look like a shooter. So, so yeah, like pretty good morning. Nothing crazy. Um, I definitely learned my lesson with those uh, two bucks. Um, that one we found out from the neighbor, uh, the one with the tall G2, that there was a really old, really big old six point running around. And so I'm pretty sure that was that deer. That explains why I only saw the G2 in the main beam. Definitely would have shot a giant six. I, I Yeah, I, I have not killed a giant six. I've seen a couple. I've had a couple on cameras. I would absolutely kill a giant six point. Uh, the 10 point, uh, we ended up getting some pictures of him that night. And uh, he turned out to be an, a really nice four-year-old that my buddy didn't want to kill. And so it was good that that didn't work out. Um, so overall, successful morning. Um, uh, Casey gets there and we're, you know, working on putting batteries and cameras and putting corn in feeders and, uh, you know, a few little things like that. That was uh, the time change weekend. So we're, you know, messing with clocks and all that. Trying to get a plan for the afternoon. And Casey was like, hey, I really think you need to go to the blind I was at because the buck that he killed was actually a buck that they didn't have any pictures of. Um, and they had, you know, two or three shooters back there that they were hunting. And so he's like, man, the buck I shot wasn't even one of the shooters. There's still more back there. You need to go back there this afternoon. And so uh, that afternoon, you know, like I said, we get the work done. We run to town for lunch. And uh, so where we stay is not actually on the property. And so we stay at a house. Um, we have to drive about, I don't know, five minutes or so to get to the first gate. And then he has an easement. So we actually have to go through another person's property to get to his lease. Um, and then his lease, I think it's like six or seven miles long. It's pretty narrow. It's basically long and skinny. And so this stand that I'm talking about that, you know, I'm going to be talking about a lot is, you know, they just call it the back because it is all the way back there. And so from where we park, uh, it is a good like 45 minute ride in the Ranger or Forerunner, whatever it is. Like it is a long way back there. And so we get out there nice and early for the afternoon hunt. Um, and Casey was kind of telling them. So I had, I had been back to this blind once the year before, but I'd never hunted it. So Casey was kind of giving me the rundown. He's like, hey, you know, park here, um, you know, walk this road. And uh, one thing that kind of stuck out to me, though, when, when he was showing me all this was uh, the road actually went between like this thick cover and the feeder. And then it turned up to go to the blind. And he's like, yeah, I normally just follow the road, you know, around the feeder and up to the blind. And so I get out there, I park, and I'm walking up, and I get up to where I can see the feeder and the blind, and it just didn't make sense to me. I was like, why would I walk, you know, between that thick cover and the feeder up to that blind when I can just cut through right here and, you know, kind of stay away from the feeder? And so I was like, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. So cut up through the brush, got up to the blind, 
and uh, you know get everything situated. Uh, this is a, a Cryvoman or Crivoman, however you want to pronounce that. Same blinds that I have on my place. Uh, bow blind, so it had the vertical windows. Uh, but luckily, there's two chairs in there, and so since I was rifle hunting, I took the second chair, turned it backwards, and pushed it up against the front window, so that way I could rest on the back of the chair uh, because I, you know, the window was too low for me to rest my rifle on. So get everything set up, um, you know, sitting there, hunky dory. Uh, feeder hasn't even gone off yet, and uh, I see a little buck out in front of me, and I was like, man, that's you know, seems kind of early to be you know out and about, and uh, and then I looked to my left. And I see what I thought was a, a young deer, um, and uh, in this spot, uh, there was really only one deer that Randy had told us about in advance that if we saw, he didn't want us to kill, and it was at this spot. It was a four-year-old nine-point, um, just you know, one of his up-and-comers. He didn't want us to shoot it, and uh, and his standards in this place are pretty high. You know, he he manages it. He's really only wanting to take you know five-year-old bucks and older, and so like you know, like that ten-point I saw that morning. I mean, most people, including probably myself, would have shot that deer. I mean, it was a nice 10-point, uh, but it was only a four-year-old, so he's trying to let it walk. Uh, so anyway, so I'm, you know, I'm, I have this nine-point in my head, uh, and obviously I'm looking for a mature deer. So I look to the left, I see this buck coming, and I notice a kind of bigger body, but he has really short tines. And so I just automatically put it, kind of put it out of my mind. I was like, oh, it's probably a young deer coming in. And so I'm, you know, looking around, not really paying attention, look back to my left, and the deer's come out a little bit. And I see a massive body. And I was like, okay, I need to inspect this a little bit. So I pull up my binoculars. And turns out it is a really nice 10-point. Really wide. Obviously very mature. He just had really short tines for some reason. And uh, and so about the time I realized that, hey, I need to kill this deer, he stops. He was coming into the feeder. All of a sudden he stops. And I kid you not, he puts his head down, walks straight over to my access trail where I'd cut up between you know the the brush and the blind because that's the way he was coming from he wasn't coming from the thick stuff he came from my left right where I had walked he walked right over to my trail put his nose down in it looked straight up at the blind and then took off running and uh so I basically ruined it if I would have listened to what Casey had said and just followed the road around I would have killed this deer like you said he was coming straight in for the feeder but he hit my path ran off so now I'm kind of kicking myself, like, should have listened to it. Uh, more deer coming in. Uh, you know, I see a couple does. I see a couple small bucks. There's one real small buck that was, you know, driving these does crazy, pushing them around, chasing them and everything. And then uh, right before dark, uh, a deer came off the neighbors, jumped the fence. And uh, actually, I say right before dark. It was really right at dark. And I pull my binoculars out. I can see he's looking pretty mature, you know, from what I can see. Pull my binoculars up. It's pretty dark, uh, but I very clearly see on one side he only has four points. And so, again, this is where that nine point is. I, I know it could be a big mature eight, uh, but I just I never got a good look at the other side. And this, you know, being my buddy's place, not mine, I wasn't going to risk it. And so I ended up letting that deer walk and not killing him. So that ended the first day. That evening, Randy was able to call us from Mexico when he had some service. And, you know, we kind of told him what all had gone on. And he was like, John, you really need to go back there in the morning. He's like, there's a really nice 10-point. He comes most evenings, uh, and he comes some mornings. We had a nice cold front. He's like, you need to go back there and hunt. And so uh, Casey decided he was going to sleep. You know, he had tagged his buck. And uh, so Kelly and I wake up on Sunday. He was going to come with me. And we jump in the forerunner because it was, you know, just easier and stuff than the ranger. The ranger, you had to load on the trailer and take you out there and everything. So 
We just jump in the forerunner. I'm driving because I was going to drop, drop Kelly off first. We take off down the highway, and, uh, you know, we're looking. It's dark. We're looking for our turn, and all of a sudden we see the turn. I hit the brakes. I feel like a weird pop, and we just keep on rolling. We lost all brakes, and so uh, we finally get her stopped. I'm kind of, like, testing the e-brake. I'm hitting the brakes, seeing if maybe it was just a fluke. Uh, and uh, But, no, we had lost all braking power. And so Kelly and I are talking, we're like, man, like, do you think we can make it out there? Do you think we can't? And we finally decided that it was just way too dangerous. I mean, this is a rough road, lots of ups and downs, uh, lots of washouts in the road. And I was like, man, there's no way we can drive miles back on this road with no brakes. And so we turn around, limp back to the house, uh, load up the Ranger and the pickup and everything, drive back out there. And uh, basically, I ran out of time. I, I, There's no way I can make it all the way to the back before daylight. And so I ended up hunting the same stand that I'd hunted the morning before, looking for the big six. Um, I, as I, I basically got to my stand right at shooting light, I'm climbing the ladder, and I can see over the hill down to the feeder. And I see a pretty big-bodied buck out there at the feeder. And so I sneak into the blind real carefully, lean my gun up, pull my binoculars up, and uh, once again, I just I can't see very well. It's looking pretty mature. Uh, I'm counting eight points. It's so I realize it's not the big six. I just can't see well enough. Uh, I even pick up my my rifle. I zoom the scope in. I'm looking, and I, it's just too dark for me to make a call. Again, I'm a guest, so I decide to let him walk. He walks off to the right. Uh, light starts coming up. Some does come out. That buck ended up coming back out. I recognized him. Got a better look at him. Got some pictures of him, and basically I made a good call passing. He was, I'm thinking, a four-year-old, uh, very nice young deer, but, you know, he's going to be real special in another year or two. So made a very good call passing that deer. Uh, the big six didn't show. The other ten-point didn't show. So basically that ended the hunt and the weekend for that first weekend. So uh, one thing I forgot to mention, while I was hunting the evening before, my uh, cell phone was blowing up from back in Oklahoma my cameras are going off, and my number two target buck had come out in daylight Friday uh, Friday evening and Saturday evening, like I said, in daylight. And so we're packing up camp Sunday morning, and uh, I was kind of joking with my buddies. I was like, man, I am real tempted to drive out to the ranch and hunt this evening. And he's like, man, you should do it. And uh, so we're, I'm driving back. I call my wife, and you know she's talking. I'm asking her how her day was and everything, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of tempted to drive out there and hunt this evening. And she basically was just like, do it. I was like, really? She was like, yeah. So I drove all the way from West Texas to southeastern Oklahoma. And uh, I got there about 3 o'clock, climbing the tree stand to hunt that uh, deer. He's a big nine point. Nothing happens. So first weekend of November goes by. Drove to West Texas, hunted out there, nothing. Drove to our place in Oklahoma, nothing there. Come back home. Work that week, and uh, so I'm getting ready for the second weekend in November, and uh, I was real excited. There was a big cold front coming. My cameras had been exploding that week. Um, my number one hit list buck, uh, he'd shown up once in daylight, and I was getting him all over the place. I have you know a couple different cell cameras. He was literally traveling miles. Um, I have two the two furthest apart cameras he was on are 1.1 miles apart. And I'm talking, he'd be on one camera one night, uh, I'd get a picture of him on some other camera, and then the next night he'd be on the camera 1.1 miles apart. 
the next night he'd be back on the first camera. Like, I mean, he was traveling miles. I was like, I got to go after this deer. Uh, not only that, that big nine point I was talking about, he'd shown up a couple more times. And so going into the, the second weekend in November, I was pumped. And then about Thursday, so I was going to be able to hunt Friday afternoon. Thursday, things just seemed to shut down. Like I stopped getting pictures all of a sudden. Um, and so I get out there, I hunt Friday evening. Um, I think, uh, no, I don't think I saw a single deer Friday evening. Uh, but it was real windy. I was like, you know, that's okay. Sat- I was like, Saturday morning, like that's going to be the ticket. So Saturday morning comes and a uh, big cold front hit. I was hunting, my brother was hunting, uh, my buddy Charles was up there hunting, and none of us saw anything. Uh, I didn't see a single deer. I think my brother saw a doe like when he was driving back to pick me up. Uh, Our buddy Charles didn't see anything. I I think just lockdown had hit. I think that's what it was. Um, I think the does were coming in. You know, the the bucks had been kind of pre-rut before that. And then I think just, I don't know if it was that cold front. uh, I don't know what it was, but anything. Things just completely died. And so my buddy uh, Randy texts me. He actually he had gotten home from Mexico, uh, but he had come home to a sick wife and a sick two-month-old baby. And so he was actually not hunting that second weekend. Um, and he was texting me, kind of you know living vicariously through me. And uh, I was like, man, things are just dead out here. And he's like, really? He's like, man, my cameras are going nuts in Tex in West Texas. And so my boss, his wife, is actually releasing a album, uh, a country music album. And she had planned a album release party that night. And so I, I, I was already planning to go to that. So I wasn't going to hunt sa- Saturday afternoon. Um, and so I called my wife and I was like, hey, is it okay if I go to Texas? <laughs> and uh, she was like, sure. So she works for a church. I don't know if I've mentioned that before. Uh, she works for the student ministries uh, department of a church. And so she usually has to work Sunday morning. And so usually I, where we go to church Sunday evening. And so it's pretty easy for me to get away on a Sunday morning. And so, so yeah, so basically pack up, I go to the concert, uh, for my buddy's wife or my boss's wife, and then leave straight from the concert, drive out to West Texas. I get there about midnight, uh, again, by myself. Uh, the forerunner obviously is still broke down. And so I, you know, hook up the trailer. I load the Ranger. Uh, by that time it's like 1230. Um, I get to sleep, you know, 1245. I think I woke up at like, gosh, 445 or something. I got about four hours of sleep. And so, uh, something I should have checked before I drove all the way out there, which I didn't was the wind was actually not going to be right for me to hunt the, that backstand, uh, Saturday morning. And so uh, I drive out, I hunt a different stand Saturday morning because I didn't want to screw anything up. Because uh, like he had said before, like that buck, there was a big 10 point and he was coming in some mornings, but almost every evening. And so I figured, don't push it. You know, I'm going to give up the morning and then I'll go out there and hunt the evening. So I did still hunt uh, Sunday morning. I just didn't hunt that spot. Uh, so still went out there, hunted, saw a couple of does, um, shot a pig. That felt good. That was actually my first pig of the entire deer season. That never happens. This <laughs> this time last year, by this point, I think I'd already killed like 20. I think last year I killed a total of 33 hogs during deer season. That was my first hog this whole year. And it wasn't even on my place. So anyway, uh, so yeah, that was the morning. I went back. Got a nice nap in at the house, uh, ran to Dairy Queen, got a burger, headed out there nice and early. And so, again, 45-minute ranger ride all the way to the back. Uh, I park, and I'm walking up, and uh, I, I see the feeder, I see the blind. 
I see my trail where I'd cut up last time, and I was like, all right, not going to make that mistake again. I'm going to listen to these guys. I'm going to just follow this road right next to the feeder. So I, you know, pass that exit if you want to say that. I'm walking straight ahead, go about 20 yards, and I see a flash out of the side of my eye. I turn my head, and there is my beautiful 10-point buck running away. <laughs> and uh, so he had been bedded on that creek, you know, on the creek, on the thick stuff like I was basically worried about last time. Uh, but uh, I played it cool. I it, like It was very early in the day. You know, the feeder hadn't gone off or anything like that. The buck, I knew he didn't smell me. I, you know, I wasn't downwind. Um, he wasn't running very fast. He was just kind of trotting off. Uh, I didn't yell. I didn't try to stop him. I didn't try to, you know, a Hail Mary shot or anything like that. I kind of just let him go. Um, how I knew to think that quickly, I don't know, but I just let him go. And so I, uh, I go ahead walk up to the blind. And, uh, you know, Randy's texting me the whole time. He's all excited that I'm out there and stuff. And uh, I text him. I was like, hey, uh, I jumped that buck. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I, I think he was, I don't know if he was bedded or coming in early or what, but uh, I just saw him running away. And he was like, man, that sucks. And I was like, hey, I was like, I think it's okay. Like, he didn't seem that spooked. I was like, I'm still going to sit this out. I think I still got a shot. And if not, you know, I still got that other short time 10 point that I'd seen the, the week before. Like, I was feeling pretty good. Uh, not only that, there was just, there were critters everywhere. So, like, like I walked up to the blind. There was a group of turkeys right at the blind. I kind of had to shoo away to get up into the blind. As soon as I get into the blind, like, I'm still, like, taking my bags off and stuff. Uh, some hogs came out and walked down the road. Um, they walked basically right on top of my trail and, you know, didn't spook, didn't run. So I felt pretty good about that. A second group of turkeys came out and came up to the feeder and started, you know, pecking around and stuff. Another group of hogs came out and like a second group, totally different band came out and, uh, they came up to the feeder and were, you know, sniffing around and stuff. So I was feeling pretty good. I was like, there's just, for whatever reason, like the stuff is just alive out here. And so, uh, so yeah, I'm sitting there. Like I said, it's pretty early. The feeder hadn't gone off or anything. Uh, I think I got in about three o'clock, and uh, you know, killing some time. About four o'clock rolls around, and uh, I see my first deer of the evening, little bitty spike, right in front of the blind. Like I don't know, I don't know where he came from. Actually, I, I think he was so close to the blind that I couldn't see him coming. Uh, but little bitty spike, about f- 10, 15 yards in front of the blind. He walks from my right to my left. Um, from the west to the east, uh, upwind, and so he walks off to the left, and uh, you know I don't pay him a whole lot of mind, and um, you know a minute or so goes by, and I, I look out the left window looking for that spike, just kind of curious if he was over there, and I see another deer, and I see right away that it was a buck. I uh, couldn't see a whole lot about him. Um, it, he was in the thick brush, and he turns and kind of starts walking towards the feeder. And guys, I'm telling you, when I say stuff disappears in the brush, completely disappears. This buck was 20 yards away, and I could not see him. Like every once in a while, I'd get a little, you know, flash of a of an antler or a little patch of gray. But I mean, like this deer was right there, and I could not see him. So this is where the story starts to get a little crazy. So the buck's in the brush. I open the camera on my phone. I zoom in a little bit, and I'm just sitting there waiting for him to come out. He finally clears the brush, and I snap three pictures of him. One, two, three. And I kind of, you know, this is the first time I really get a good look at him, and I count nine points. And so I'm like, oh, this is that really nice nine point, the one on the do not shoot list. And so I go back to my text with Randy. I select the three photos I took, 
and I was in the middle of typing, hey, here's your really nice nine point. And I look up, and the buck had made it to the center window. He was about 40 yards in front of me, and I see a 10th point. <laughs> and so I put my phone down, pick up my binoculars, and immediately recognize it as the buck that had just jumped, which I am pretty sure is the 10 point that I'm after, the whole, the whole reason I'm back in this spot. Uh, and so then I basically erased what I just typed out and I said, Hey, I think this is him. I think this is the 10 point. Can you confirm? And I hit send in my excitement, hit send. Well, there's not very much, uh, cell service where I am. And so because I had tried to send three photos at once, my phone will not send this text message. Like it won't go through, but I already hit send. So it won't let me undo it. And so my phone is basically essentially frozen. And so set the phone down. I'm all, you know, getting all excited, getting anxious and stuff. Pull my binoculars up again. And uh, this buck had one big identifier. So I've been calling him a 10 point, but he was technically an 11. Uh, In between his G2 and G3 on one side, he had this tiny little thin, like two or three inch long point. And so that, like I said, that was kind of the big identifier. That's how we knew because there were some other 10 points back there that were younger, you know, trying not to shoot and everything. Um, but I'm looking through my binoculars and I do not see that little point. And so he jumps into the pin, but again, the feeder hasn't gone off. So I know he's not going to stick around very long. He's sniffing around, look at my phone, text still won't go through. Uh, Randy does have a cell camera on this, uh, feeder though. And so I'm just like hoping and praying that he gets a picture of this buck and he's going to text me like, Hey, he's there, you know, shoot him, something like that. Picture's not going through. So finally, I like do the thing where you like swipe right, like select the three photos, delete the text, basically try to just wash it away. Finally, my phone kind of clears, comes back to life, and I text him, hey, I think he's in the pen. Do you have a picture of him? Can you confirm? Again, this story has way too much technology, way too much texting than I would prefer for any hunting story, but that's just how it went down. So uh, so he responds like, got a picture, but I can't see his antlers. I don't know. And so I, again, like, try to, I, I, I just select one of the three photos I had sent, send it to him, it goes through, he's like, man, I don't know, like, it doesn't really look like him, and he texts me, he's like, can you see the little point between his G2 and G3? Pull my binoculars up again, I'm looking, I have a very good view, can't see it. I was like, man, I don't see it, but I think this is him. Meanwhile, Buck jumps out of the pen, goes over to the road, and turns away, starts walking away. And I'm just sitting there like, God, I cannot let this buck leave. Like I'm, I'm 90% positive that this is the right deer. But again, like it's my buddy's place. I'm a guest. Like I don't want to screw anything up. And so I want to be a hundred percent positive. And so the buck's walking away. I take a little risk and, uh, I gave him the old meh. And so just once, just quick, just about like that buck stops, turns back towards the blind, still facing away. Uh, but he just stands there. And so I'm like trying to, you know, fool around the blind, trying to get Randy to answer. He's like, man, I don't know. And uh, so I finally remember, come to my senses, and uh, I have a phone scope, one of those things that you put your phone in, you hook it to your binoculars, and, you know, it basically lines it up so you can take good pictures through your binoculars. So while this buck is standing there, uh, meanwhile, I'm taking, or, sorry, he's like five feet from the neighbor's fence. And so if he goes to the right, He's on the neighbors. I can't shoot. If he keeps walking where he is, he's going to go over a hill. Can't shoot. And so I'm just sitting there panicking. Uh, The buck stands there so long that I have time to take my phone out of its case, hook it up to the phone scope case, put it on my binoculars, 
And um, just by happenstance, I'm trying, you know, I'm zooming in, trying to get the deer in focus, and it just so happens that he turns his head to lick his hindquarters, and he's looking basically straight back at me. Boom, snap a good photo of his rack, um, send it to Randy, waiting on it to go through. Randy, in the meantime, he's been, like, going through his other trail cam photos, trying to figure out what buck this is, you know, could it be a different buck, what's going on. And uh, finally, my picture goes through. And, like, this takes place over several minutes. Like, this buck has been standing in that same spot for several minutes. Um, And so, the picture finally goes through. I'm like, sweet. I'm waiting on Randy to respond. Meanwhile, I look up, and the buck turns broadside towards the neighbors. Like, he is getting ready to disappear. And uh, phone buzzes. Look down. All it says is, kill him. So put the phone down, grab my gun. Like I said, the buck's already broadside. I would say within 10 seconds of getting that uh, text, kill him, I shoot and the buck is down. Just drops where he's at. I was I was really hoping he was going to drop. I didn't want him to you know, jump the fence onto the neighbors and have to deal with all that. Buck goes down. Text Randy. He's dead. That's, that's all I said. He's dead. Randy immediately calls me. He's stupid excited you know i'm trying to take all this in i've been on this like emotional roller coaster again like i know if i could uh you know had my way a hunting story would have zero texting zero technology involved but again that's just not how this went down and so uh i actually went back later and looked at the timestamps on the text and the photo i sent to him his response kill him and my response his dead was all sent within one minute like it's all at the exact same time and so, talked to Randy for a minute. You know, he's all jazzed. Um, climb down, walk up to him. I, I have my GoPro. Unfortunately, I did not have my camera. I just, it was a quick trip. I didn't want to mess with it. Um, but I did have my GoPro. So, I got my GoPro, filmed the whole walking up to him and everything. And, uh, man, it was just a grand old time. I was super excited. Um, I, so, the first thing I did when I picked up his rack was I looked for that point. Sure enough, and, you know, probably within the last 12 hours, he had broken off that tiny little tine. It was the buck we were talking about, so I did confirm that. I felt way better after I saw that. But, yeah, that little tine had just broken off completely flush. There was no bump, no nothing. And so I did get the buck I was after. Felt great. Uh, (laughs) One other little funny part to the story. So I I go get the ranger, and I'm by myself. And, you know, this is a big, mature buck. He's... uh, I can't remember if he was five or six years old. Uh, you know, Randy's had several years worth of pictures of him. And uh, loading this sucker by myself was no easy chore. I didn't have a ratchet strap or anything like that. And I'm pretty used to loading deer by myself, but I've I've always loaded them into a truck bed. And so, you know, normally I kind of put the antlers up there. If I have a ratchet strap, I tie a ratchet strap around the antlers, climb up into the bed of the pickup, use the ratchet strap to get the antlers up to where I can grab them, and then just grab on and basically, you know, just walk backwards and drag it into the back of the pickup. Well, I didn't have a ratchet strap, so I basically kind of pick his head up and try to kind of like, you know, push his antlers up against the bed of the ranger. I like climb in on my belly, hold on to him as I like roll around to my butt, and then get my legs underneath me, stand up, still have the antlers, go to walk backwards, and just about the time I get to his shoulders, like the first big hurdle, I basically, like, I'm already hitting the cab because, you know, the bed's only about three feet wide, if that. And so I basically, like, do a big, you know, push curl thing. I get his front shoulders over the tailgate after, you know, they caught tailgate closed, lower him back down, put my foot on the tailgate, do a curl pull thing, get his shoulders over, and then I'm basically able to, like, wedge his antlers in the little gap between the bed and the cab 
and push down with one hand, reach back with the other hand. I was able to grab his back ham and kind of pull it up and then grab his foot. But was finally able to pull him in there by myself. So it's getting dark now and I want to get some good pictures. So I start heading back and as I'm driving back, I kind of drive up this big hill and I was like, man, this would be a great spot to get some pictures. Um, you know, I still had enough light to do so. So I back the ranger up, I drag him out, set him up, and uh, basically I set my camera up, like or my phone, I, just, I didn't have a real camera, just set my phone up on my bag, kind of down the hill so that the camera was facing up, you know, to get a good angle and all that, had a nice clear sky behind me, uh, used the self-timer, uh, you know, deal on the camera, so I'm... So I hit the button, you know, I got 10 seconds, I run up the hill, stand behind the deer, pose, all that stuff, and uh, just trying to, you know, do it by myself, it was hard, so I ended up, I, I did this probably a dozen times, so run down the hill, you know, adjust the camera, hit the button, run up the hill, set him up, take the photo, run back down the hill, you know, look at it, set it up again, blah, 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 so I do that about a dozen times, so... I'm pretty winded by the time I get done taking photos. So then I pull the ranger back up, go to load him a second time, get his head up there, get up, grab him. But now there's blood in the bed because, you know, I'd already driven a little ways. So it's slick. And guys, I tried multiple times. I was just worn out. I could not get him in the second time. So I ended up having to drag him off the side of the road and gut him in the dark. I had forgot a flashlight. Uh, it, it's pretty darn dark, not completely pitch black, but it's pretty dark. So ended up gutting him, uh, took a little break, drank a little water, uh, let the blood dry a little bit in the bed, drag him back over. You know, he's 40 pounds or so lighter this time, still a pretty big struggle, but I managed to get him loaded up and get back to the truck and everything. So yeah, so that was Sunday night, ended up having to drive all the way home that night. Of course, had to wake up the next morning for work on Monday, but Basically, it was completely worth it. Absolutely worth it. So, so that's the story of my first buck tag for 2021. That was November 14th I tagged that buck. And uh, if you guys want to stay with me for just a minute, I had some really, really close calls in Oklahoma this last weekend. So, again, I, I shot that buck on the 14th. So, came back, worked that week. And then the weekend of the 20th and the 21st, uh, I wasn't able to hunt the morning of the 20th, opening day of rifle season, but I got up there in time to hunt the evening, and oddly enough, I decided to hunt with my bow uh, Saturday evening because I had one of my target bucks uh, had been at one of my feeders uh, Friday evening in daylight, and so it was just the way it's kind of set up and the way the terrain works, it... Uh, it just really doesn't work for a rifle anyway. Like if, if I was going to get the buck, he was going to have to come into bow range. And so I figured why not save my rifle tag and use my bow. So even though it was opening day of rifle, I was bow hunting and uh, sitting there. The wind was really weird. It was blowing pretty hard. And um, the, this was the first hunt I had sat where a bunch of the leaves had fallen. And so I, I, when I was sitting in the stand, it felt like the wind was coming across my face, which is not good. <laughs> That's not what I was wanting. It was kind of blowing towards the feeder. Um, but that wasn't, you know, what they had predicted. It was supposed to be kind of a, a straight south wind. Uh, across my face would have been a west wind. Um, but luckily, I had a little uh, wind puffer with me, wind checker. Uh, this is actually my first year carrying one of those. Um, I guess in the past, I was just thought that I could feel the wind and know where it was going. Uh, but for whatever reason, I decided to pick one up this year. And I'm glad I did because on this particular hunt, it kind of saved me because I was actually thinking about climbing down because I felt like the wind was too swirly, too weird. But when I checked it with my puffer, uh, basically what was happening, I think it was kind of one side of the creek the side facing the west where the sun you know hits in the afternoon 
the leaves had fallen off those trees faster than they had fallen off on the east side where it was more shaded. I guess the leaves just dried up faster. And so basically the wind was kind of whipping through that side of the tree uh, of the trees faster and coming across my face. But then as soon as it was kind of getting out of the trees, it was turning back to the south or, you know, towards the north, I guess, from the south towards the north. And so I, with my puffer, I was able to see it was kind of blowing out that way, just, you know, two or three feet and then whipping straight north. And so I decided to stick it out, uh, sat there, and about 30 minutes till dark, the wind died way down. Um, I think it had been blowing about 15, 16 miles an hour. And then right at dark, it laid down to like probably four, something like that. Um, and so as, as soon, I mean, within minutes of that wind dying down, I look up and I see my first deer, a little spike circled downwind just like i thought a deer would do downwind of the feeder from the thick cover to the east i'm sitting west of the feeder just read the script perfectly so he kind of circles downwind hops in the pen and uh sitting there a few minutes later look up see another buck uh he was probably like a probably like a two-year-old something like that does the exact same thing the spike had done just read the script perfectly came downwind hopped in the pen and uh, so they're sitting there, and they're eating corn at the feeder, and I hear something in the creek that I'm sitting on, and uh, I look to my right, and I see cows on the hillside. I can't see the one down in the creek, but I can see some on the hillside, and I was like, man, I hope the cows don't screw this up, because they are obviously getting closer. Well, as I'm kind of going from the key, from the creek back to the feeder, I see a buck way to the south, upwind, coming across the hillside. And uh, I didn't have my binoculars with me. I had them, but I didn't have them up. But I could tell it was a big-bodied deer. I could only kind of see him through the limbs. Uh, but I, I, I just knew. I was like, all right, big nine coming up. Pull out my phone, look at the clock. I got five minutes till the end of legal light. And so I, he has to hurry, basically. I was like, man, like he can make it here, but it's going to be close. So I put my phone back in the pocket. I go ahead and grab the bow, kind of to have it ready, you know, so I didn't have to make a bunch of movement and stuff. And I'm just sitting there waiting. And I'm kind of counting in my head, like the time's ticking by. It's getting later. It's getting darker. It's getting harder to see. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear some splashing. Look to my right, and here comes a cow. And I'm talking this cow. I could have dropped something on its head. It walked directly under my stand. Well, as it's kind of coming up out of the creek, I look up, and the two bucks in the feeder pen spook, the two young bucks. So they jump out. They're running off. They kind of stop on the side of the hill. And then out of nowhere, I see this big buck come running out of the creek. And he put his head down, and he chased those little bucks off very quickly. He did not want them around. As soon as he chases them off, he turns, and he's coming straight in. And so I'm watching this five-and-a-half-year-old nice, nice buck walking straight towards me. I literally have a cow under my tree stand. I'm like, there's no way he's going to come in. Cow kind of keeps walking, kind of turns down the creek. Buck's still coming. He circles the feeder downwind just like I thought he would. Comes, jumps in the pen, and I'm like, this is my shot. But it's dark. It's real dark. I, I, you know, I didn't want to pull my phone and light things out, but I knew it was right at last light. And so I didn't draw, but I kind of pulled my bow up, you know, kind of put it in his direction. And I'm looking at my sight, and I'm looking at the deer, and I just cannot see. I cannot see. It was probably after legal light. Um, I, I never actually checked because I didn't want to spook him. 
But I'm just, you know, I, I kind of pulled the bow to the side and I'm looking and basically the only reason I can even see that the buck is there is because I can see, you know, the little white streak like running up the back of his leg, under his belly, and then down. And if I really wanted to, I probably could have sent an arrow, uh, but I just would not have been confident about the shot. And I just, on that buck, you know, he had no idea I was there. Um, you know, I'd beat his nose, I'd beat his eyes, I'd beat all of his senses. He was right in front of me. He was at 18 yards, but I just, I just decided I could not do it. I wasn't going to risk it. Um, I didn't want to go chasing him all over the place and, you know, onto the neighbors and all that stuff. And so I (laughs) did not want to, but I made a very conscious decision to pass that buck. So hung my bow up, basically just sat there in the evening, uh, evening fading light and watch my buck, you know, sit there, eat at the feeder for, I don't know, probably five minutes. You know, I could hear his antlers tinging up against the metal and everything. I could just just barely see the outline of him. Made a full circle, ate, um, and then, yeah, after a couple minutes, he just kind of, he hopped out and just slowly walked out of my life. And so I think I made the right call. Um, it was definitely him. I, I got a, a picture of him later. It was definitely him. Uh, but it was just too dark and I just wasn't willing to risk it. And so I like to, I would like to think I beat him, you know, uh, that's kind of what I keep telling myself, but I don't know if you don't have a legal shot, did, did you actually beat him? You know, that's kind of, he, he wins, I guess in one sense. So, so that was a little disheartening, but also exciting. It was just, it's always fun to be that close to an animal like that and they have no idea you're there. So that was pretty, pretty cool. Uh, Sunday morning, I wake up, and uh, I decide to go back to the back, take my rifle, uh, sat in one of my favorite stands, uh, one of my favorite rifle stands, uh, and I thought real hard about getting super aggressive. Y'all have heard me talk about our canyon, you know, big deep draw a lot. Uh, I thought real hard about going down into the bottom where I cleared a bedding area and sitting down there, but I don't know. For some reason, I just decided I needed to hunt that stand. And so, hunting the stand, not seeing a single deer. It was real cloudy. A front was kind of moving in. And uh, I sit there for an hour and hadn't seen a single deer. So, now I'm like, all right, maybe now I need to get aggressive. You know, I, I, I sat this stand for an hour, hadn't seen anything. And so, I'm actually, like, I'm literally taking things out of my bag and putting things into my pocket, like my grunt tube and rattling antlers and got my binoculars on and everything. And I'm just about to climb down out of the stand and head for the canyon when I look up and I see a deer and so kind of sit back down pull my binoculars up and it's a little bit spike um and he's coming out of one of the draws uh I'm sitting basically between in a in a saddle I'm sitting on the hill overlooking a saddle between two thick draw bedding area things so the canyons to my left and then this big slopey hillside with a bunch of cedars and brush and stuff is to my right so the little spike comes out to the right walks straight towards me uh, actually cuts right in front of my blind. Uh, probably the closest I've ever been to a white-tailed deer. Uh, this thing, I actually, like, he was so close to the blind that I couldn't see him with my eyes. I, like, held my phone over the edge of the blind and took a picture of him. Uh, I, I think that's on Instagram. If not, I'll put it on there. But, yeah, he's, like, four yards from the front of my blind. Uh, so he walks off to my left. And so now I'm having a little mental battle. It's like, ah, man, maybe I need to sit it out. Maybe I should be aggressive. While I'm trying to decide, I look up and I see a nice eight-point buck coming out where that spike had gone in from my left. And so, pull my binoculars up. I immediately recognize him. He's a four-year-old, you know, not one I'm wanting to shoot, especially with my rifle. Um, so he walks basically straight in front of me. He the closest he got was probably seventy yards, something like that. And uh, 
walks and then kind of hits this little road and turns to the west. And so I was like, man, that's cool. I was like, that's two bucks in like a couple minutes. That second one was kind of nice. I was like, maybe I need to sit here for a minute. Literally, like that thought had just ran across my mind. That first buck had just gotten out of sight. And another eight point comes out of that same draw uh, from my left, walks straight in front of me. He's at about 100 yards. Pull my binoculars up. I recognize him too. I have a ton of pictures of him. Uh, Four-year-old. He's got real nice G2s, but real short G3s. And so immediately I know I'm going to pass him. He walks across in front of me. He hits the opposite tree line, the the drainage on the east, and he actually turns and comes straight at me. He probably got to like 40 yards. Got some really cool pictures of him. I I had pulled out my phone scope at this point and hooked my phone up to it. So got some cool pictures through the phone scope of him. He dips off into the the draw on my right. And so now I'm like, all right, like apparently I made the right call. I listened to my gut. I hunted this stand. Like, this is awesome. And, uh, Literally, I mean, that bucket only disappeared for a minute or two. I look up on the far hillside. A third eight-point is coming out. Pull my binoculars up, and I don't necessarily recognize him. And he's looking a little more mature than the others. Uh, Really nice G2s. Really nice G3s. I mean, he is a nice deer. Eight-point, really nice deer. Um, And so he's kind of working his way out. He's a little further. He's at about 160, 180, something like that. A little further out. And so, got my phone scope on the binoculars, and I'm taking pictures of him, and I'm looking at him, and and guys, this one, he's tempting. (laughs) He's tempting. Now, I thought, when I first saw him, I thought that this was a buck that I had seen um, on a different part of the ranch, uh, and I thought he was a mature buck, uh, that he uh, was an eight point, has a little bitty ninth point that's kind of on the inside of his main beam, kind of funky. But at that distance, I couldn't see that point. But I'm thinking this is that mature buck. So I'm having a real mental battle because this buck, like, if I have my bow and he's in range, like, no, no, no question. But I have to admit, like, I have slightly higher standards with the rifle. You know, you get one rifle tag, one rifle buck tag a year. Um, I have some pretty nice deer running around. All of a sudden, there's like a giant buck parade in front of me. Uh, you know, if that was the first, I think that made a difference too. If that was the first deer I'd seen all day, I might have been a little more tempted to shoot him. But there's just bucks coming from everywhere all of a sudden. And so he works, you know, comes out for a little while, and then he actually goes into the same draw that the second, you know, the, the eight point that had just disappeared went into. And so while he's disappeared, I pull up my phone and I'm zooming in on these pictures and I'm looking at him. And I, I don't think it's the deer that I thought he was, you know, the nine point. But he's looking pretty mature. He's looking pretty good. And I was like, man, if he comes back out, I might have to shoot him. Well, I look up, and sure enough, here he comes. He'd gone into that draw. I guess he had hit the tree line and turned around. So he was walking back out. He was about 150 yards. And I'm, I, I'd taken the, my phone off the binoculars. I'm just, you know, because I really want to see him. So I'm just looking through my binoculars. And I had just about convinced myself that I needed to shoot this deer and I hear a bang. Uh, our neighbors to the south had shot. Uh, I don't know if it was a, a buck or pig, whatever. But anyway, they shot. Deer pulls his head up, looks in that direction, turns his tail, and runs over the hill and out of my life. And so the decision was made for me. Um, like I said, I had just about decided to shoot him, uh, and he got spooked and ran off. Uh, I sat there for another hour or so. He never came back out. Um, so yeah, so two close calls in two days. Four mature bucks in two days and two sits. Um, so fantastic hunt. 
and I did get some confirmation later. I had a cell cam further down the ridge, and I got some pictures of that third buck later on. And it turns out that he was a deer that I had pictures of. He was not the deer he I was thinking. And he's actually a stud four-year-old. I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, as best as I can tell, I think he's a four-year-old. And he was a buck that I had already decided that I was going to pass up. And so, as it turns out, I think I made the right decision not shooting him. Um, I think I would have been happy. Like, I don't think I would have been disappointed if I would have shot him. But he's one of those bucks. He's, I mean, he is a massive eight-point and so I think giving him another year is the way to go, and I think he will be a complete stud next year. So, so yeah, uh, man, I'm like 50 minutes in or something like that. That has been my 2021 deer season so far. Uh, as I'm sitting here, it is, uh, what's today? Today's Tuesday the 23rd, two days before Thanksgiving. I'm going to head up tonight, and I'm going to hunt uh, all day tomorrow on Wednesday, and then I'm going to come back home hang out with my family on Thanksgiving Day, Thursday, and then hopefully I am um, taking my great uncle out on Friday for the whole weekend from Friday to Sunday. Um, he's still trying to work out you know, with his kids and stuff what their Thanksgiving plan is. But, man, I'm hopeful, guys. I am very hopeful. The, the deer are moving. Um, like I said, I had some opportunities. just didn't quite work out. Um, I think if the season ended today, I would call it a success. That being said, I still have two buck tags, and I still have every intention of filling them. So, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Um, it was kind of just me rambling, but I hope y'all enjoyed it. Like I said, I hope y'all enjoy you know following my stories, following my season. I'm gonna stay after them, guys. Like I said, two more buck tags. I got a lot of good deer running around, and as I've mentioned before, like if I had to pick my my time, it would be late season. And so we're kind of getting into my favorite part of the year. I absolutely love it. If you're out there and you haven't filled a tag yet, stay at it. That's all I can say. Still a lot of season left. Uh, when this comes out, we'll still have you know several days of rifle season left and then a whole month of late season archery. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Like I said, I've had a blast this hunting season, and it's not over yet. So, once again, I want to encourage you guys. This is about the time where a lot of people fart, start fart. <laughs> My bad. I'm gonna leave that in there. This is this is the time of year where a lot of people start feeling down. They start feeling bad. They start getting worried. Their standards start lowering. But I'm telling you guys, we have a lot of season left. So please, please don't give up yet. Keep hunting hard. Stay at it, and good things can happen. So that's how I'm gonna uh, shut this one down. Again, you guys have a, or I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving by the time this comes out. Uh, I hope you get out there and do lots and lots of hunting. Get out there and do some duck hunting. I'm very excited about that. And with that, I'm going to let you guys go. So until next week, I'll see you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast.